Hey everyone, Joe here. In this episode, Jose and I had the great privilege of chatting with our dear friend, Joe Bass, the second Air Force Command Chief Master Sergeant. During our discussion, we chatted about generational differences, the importance of self-care, and much, much more. Enjoy. Live. Learning. Leadership. The Lama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe, and I have with me one of my best friends and brothers, Jose Ramon Jr. What's going on, Jose? Hey, what's up, Joe? Just enjoying life. The weather's really nice here. I'm actually next to Colleen's Pond, was fishing with the fam, so it's a good day. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, man. You got, yeah, it's cool that you got to. So, you know, we only put the audio out there, but uh, Jose is chilling in his Jeep in the woods somewhere <laughs> next to a pond, which is pretty cool. Right? And, uh, and one of the things is he's taken a little bit of time away um, from his weekend activities with the family. And I think one of the reasons why is because we have a very, very special guest today that he just needed to be on uh, with and have a conversation with. Uh, and this person is a mentor to me and someone I consider a big sister, the uh, Second Air Force Command Chief Master Sergeant Joe Bass. What's going on, Joe? How are you? Good morning and happy Saturday to you guys. Yeah, hello, happy Saturday hello. to you. I had no idea that Jose was going to be in his car. I almost feel like I should go on my ride and, you know, hang out and do this too. Because it might be more quiet, to be honest. I already have kiddos walking around the kitchen grabbing stuff. And so they've been told and warned, like, be quiet as much as you can for the next 45 minutes. So, yeah. So, anyway, excited uh, to be here with you guys. It, it's all good. It's family time. So, if the kids it's jump in, they jump in. <laughs> so, so cool. Exactly. So, hey, um, hey, Joe. So, you know, a lot of times we've been talking to um, the guests that come on. And, um, we, you know, we've discovered the four Lama brothers, we're all over the world. And, um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the guests we have, you know, they're from all over the place too. And we're kind of all experiencing life right now a little bit differently. Um, where you're at over in um, in uh, Mississippi, is it what's what's it kind of like right now? Is everything shut down, or is it opening up, or is everything across the world is a little bit different? So yeah, th- things are starting to open up. The governor has, um, you know started to loosely and in a phased approach started to open some things up in Mississippi. I'll be honest, you know, we live on base. I can count on one hand how many times I've been off the installation in the last five or six weeks. And so um, I personally haven't been off base a lot. Um, Watching, you know, a little bit of news, not a whole lot of news, but taking a whole lot of guidance from our MAGCOM SG on, you know, where we are. And so I feel like within the confines of our installation, for the most part, you know, we're, we feel pretty safe. We're doing our best to follow the practices that the um, CDC and the SG's community has given us so that we can at some point just kind of get past the waves and, and and um you know we don't think that this is going to be anything quick we don't think that um this is going to be over by the end of the summer we don't know what that means at the end of the summer but yeah i think while things are opening up my hope and hope is not a strategy but my hope is that we don't um our you know our numbers for positive covid um don't increase you know in, in a drastic way but you know 
I'm not convinced that that's going to be the case. So we're, so mm-hmm. our family's being very precautious and we're still not going out to restaurants. We don't feel the need to have to do that. Um, you know, there's a silver lining in all of this and the silver lining for us has been, it's forced us to stay home to, um, learn how to look at each other eyeball to eyeball to actually cook (laughs) together. And so we've hatched in. And what's funny is it's almost like when you've deployed and then you come home and you have to reconstitute and you have to, you know, reintegrate with your family. And it takes, Mm -hmm. you know, a while because you've been, Mm -hmm. you know, it's taken us a while to reintegrate to a healthy Mm -hmm. normal with our family because we're used to being on the go. You know, we've got kids we're dropping off Mm -hmm. at the movie theaters, at the mall, they're doing their stuff and we're actually having to reintegrate and learn what it's like to be a family. Yeah, that's great that you're able to take advantage of that. And I know, um, you know, as a command chief and the scope of responsibility that you have, you, you must travel a lot on a normal basis and that, that just got to beat up your body. I mean, like, you know, I mean, just health wise and leaves you a little bit more open to being just getting sick anyway before the COVID stuff. So um, I yeah. think that's awesome that you're able to kind of wind down, relax a little bit and spend some time with your family. Um, and I think all of us are taking advantage of it in different ways. For me, um, I get to do cool conversations like this a lot more often and and, yeah. uh, and connect with uh, awesome people like you. So thanks for coming on. This that's is great. Awesome. Absolutely. And we love it. You know, I feel like um, when I, um, you know, probably every other day I go on cute quarantine university see what's going on and see all the awesome learning that's happening and there's not a day that goes by that i don't see your face joe so (laughs) (laughs) i hope that's a good thing (laughs) (laughs) what it means is you're passionate about what you do and you're getting and you know you've got something to say and you're sharing it with your fellow brothers and sisters so that's good yeah yeah that's very cool thank you i like reading all the comments where they get surprised that joe's a chief because he looks yeah. like he's 24. <laughs> I know. So let me tell you about Joe. When, you know, we, we've kind of known each other through mutual company. And the first time I got a chance to actually meet him face to face, it's like meeting my little brother. But, you know, I think you might have said something like, yeah, you know, I feel like you're my mom. And then he got like slapped real quick. I'm like, don't you ever call me your mom. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I do not remember that. But if I did say that, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, every once in a while I get that, you know, the young airmen come in and they're like, you're like, our, I'm like, don't ever call me your mom, man. I'm like, I can do, I, and I've been told that somebody who I don't know, you know, has said that I'm like their aunt, you know, but I'm, I'm okay with aunt, but not mom. Oh, definitely yeah. big sister. Definitely big sister. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Thank you uh, uh, for coming on once again. And hey, Joe, so we like to um, kind of share airmen stories, right? And yeah. and um, just like uh, I just heard on uh, Chad's uh, Chad Hardesty's podcast with you, you're the airman's airman. I mean, that, I, I've totally believed that. I feel that too. And um, I'm wondering if you can kind of like share a little bit about yourself, because I think we often get a lot of uh, wisdom and experience to other people's experiences. And um, if we could just hear a little bit about how did Joe Bass become Joe Bass of today? Um, I think we get some some great gems that. all that. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to consolidate like my whole life in in a couple um, brief minutes. So you know, um, my parents met when my dad was in the army stationed in Korea at the time. So they got married and my mom came here to the States um, and uh, became a naturalized citizen. My dad also um, is not a, you know, first generation American. He came here as a young five or six year old 
with his family. And so neither of them had college degrees. You know, they just knew the, uh, they knew the value of working hard. And so uh, my dad stayed in the army. He retired out of the army um, in Hawaii. So my home of records, Hawaii, and that's where I joined the Air Force. I don't tell a whole lot of people, but I was actually, you know, kind of um, a misbehaved military mm. child. And, and most folks mm. can't believe it, but, you know, while, you know, I mean, I wasn't t totally bad, but, you know, my parents um, divorced early on in my career, in my life. And um, I spent four years living with my dad in high school, you know, and he did a phenomenal job uh, raising me and I'd see my moms in the summer, but, you know, sometimes coming out of, um, you know, homes that where the mom and dad aren't together, you know, you just kind of do whatever. And so um, I did a lot of whatever and I would get myself in trouble um, so much. And, and, and I've started to share this more often because, you know, people see um, senior leaders and they just think, man, they've like grown up in this amazing life and they've never had any hardships and, and they were, you know, they just, you know, they grew up with a silver spoon and that is not the case for me. You know, I was in so much trouble. So I joined, I decided I couldn't join the army, um, because I didn't want to wake up early. And, you know, after I watched my dad doing that, so I joined the air force. And while I was in delayed enlistment, I had gotten in, um, quite a bit of trouble right after high school enough that I was actually banned from all of the military installations in Hawaii. So wow. Jose, I know you're a prior wow. first sergeant. You'd be like, so she was that dependent child. So, <laughs> uh -huh. and, and when that happened, my dad is like, hey man, you're going back to the mainland until they call you, you know, you're gonna live with your mom and um, mm -hmm. do not tell your recruiter. So we didn't tell my recruiter. And then um, <laughs> sure enough, you know, next thing you know, I'm in the Air Force. And um, mm -hmm. I've been in 27 years and I'll be honest, it passed by so fast. I came in to do four years um get my gi bill and and that was it but throughout the 27 year journey that i've had i've just you know made a slew of friendships i've learned what it means to wear this uniform and i've had a blessed career there i tell people all the time the air force has given me way more than i've given it and the other blessing is you know through that i've met a phenomenal you know husband he was prior mm -hmm. army so he served 27 years um retired as the army first sergeant out at fort hood we have two kiddos, a 13-year-old and 19-year-old, so life is good. That's awesome. Yeah. That, hey, that's, Chief, that's so quick amazing. question. Uh, so you said something, and, and I can remember my moment um, when I felt like, you know, Joe and I, we talked about this, so when you joined the Air Force versus, like, when the Air Force is in you, and you said you intended on staying in for four years. What, what changed, or what was that moment? So, you know, I don't have like an epiphany movement like a lot of folks. It just started to grow on me. And, and when it started to grow on me and the more meaningful times that I remember in my life were the times where I was deployed. You know, I went on a few deployments mm -hmm. early on in my career. And I think it's through those deployments, you start to really learn what it means to serve. And then, oh, by the way, you're also part of this larger fraternity. So a lot of people, you know, leave the leave their hometowns to 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 find something new, and that was me. I wanted to find something new, and what I found was, you know, it sounds super cliche, but I found an Air Force family. I found uh, uh, um, brothers and sisters that I actually connect with, and slowly over time, actually enjoyed spending more time with my Air Force family. Like, so sorry, mom and dad, but then my, you know, real quick, just because. 
we had a common bond and, and that was really important to me at the time, but I really think it was through the deployments. I tell people all the time. So at four years, you know, I wasn't all in, you know, I reenlisted cause I need to pay off my Honda Civic, like full on. Mm -hmm. That was the only reason. And then about the eight year mark is when I really understood what it meant to wear this uniform. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. very cool. And I think it's awesome. The, the family thing is, I mean, I could totally relate to that. I, I don't really have a lot of biological family, but um, people like y'all are, are my family. You know, I've always considered it that way. And, um, yeah. and many other people feel blessed to, to be able to meet so many amazing people through this career. So cool. So, hey, Joe, so you're so fast forwarding a little bit um, from who you are, who you were to who you are now. Um, we have some civilian listeners, and I think most of our military listeners understand what your current role is. But can you kind of break down what it is that you do now as the second Air Force Command Chief, what, what your responsibilities are? Absolutely. So I'm the senior enlisted leader of um, second Air Force and second Air Force is responsible for 93% of all the training that happens in the United States Air Force. Um, so we are in charge of basic military training, BMT, as well as all of the ground technical training. Um, so we have five different installations where airmen go to tech training. And then we have, you know, upwards of 70 um, geographically separated or detachments across the globe where um, people continue to get the training from um, our amazing instructors, military training leaders, um, and military training instructors. Yeah, that, I mean, that's got to be so extremely... we're kind of busy. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be so rewarding, but then right now it's got to be an extreme challenge to figure out how you're going to deliver that right pack you know that training and yeah. that that fully trained airmen you know to yeah. to their next installation you you i can only imagine because i'm on the receiving end of that that yeah. way what you're dealing with on the delivery side of that mm -hmm. so i love it i you know i i tease some of my um fellow peers that my NAF chiefs that are at different NAFs because I don't know if they're as busy as I am, but I'm like, you know, so second air force is jobbing. Matter of fact, you know, when I was getting ready to come to second air force, I'll, I'll never forget. I was at the Pentagon at the time and um, chief Wright pulls me aside and he, and, and he's given me my, you know, kind of my speech on, you know, um, what to expect when I go to a numbered air force. Cause he came from third air force and you safety. And he's like, Hey Joe, you know, don't get in the wings business, you know, let them do them. Here's, here's how it's going to be when you're at a nap and, and you're not going to be too busy. And then I PCS to second air force and probably within the first month or two, I was like, man, he lied, you know, like we second air force. So I, I've told him that a lot of times I'm like second air force is your busziest NAF ever because the training doesn't stop. We are charged with, stop. we are charged with growing America's airmen. And even in COVID we're, we're handling our business because we have to, at the end of the day, you know, we've got to grow um, the airmen for the future. And so, you know, our, our country's readiness and, and um, you know, deterrence all rely on United States airmen. And so we've got to grow them. Yeah, that that's, and, and I'll be honest with you, I think you got my dream job. That's like an amazing job. I love development um, training and, um, and it's just, it's such a cool thing that you're doing. And I, when I see you on social media and everywhere else, um, and the, the the cool things that come with the traveling, I know, it, it, like we just talked about how it could beat you up a little bit, but, mm -hmm. but once you get there and see the amazing things that the airmen are doing and your MTLs and your training instructors, um, I can only imagine how that, how much that brings uh, warmth to your heart to be able to see that in action. 
So, you know, I wrote, just wrote that down, Joe, that this is your dream job. So in a, <laughs> in a few years, man. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be very cool. Very cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, we, because you work with and see airmen so often, um, this is kind of like just an off the cuff question. There's a lot of like thoughts, you know, uh, I guess I, I hear it so much. Oh, the millennials are this and these are the, you know, these generational gaps. And I feel like it's just an excuse, right? I mean, a lot of times we, we say these and I even did a paper on it and there's a, a lot of it's just popular science. We just decided to assign things to it. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think that, uh, that there are, I mean, I, I believe that there's generational gaps, right? Because yeah. we, we do experience different things, but I think we lean on it a little bit too much as, as a reason why we can't connect. Yeah. So I think um, instead of kind of using it as a cop out, we really have to appreciate those generational differences that we have. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I have the privilege of being able to run across hundreds, if not thousands of airmen, um, mm -hmm. you know, in a given week, month, you know, or, or what have you. And, and all, you know, I love to, one of the favorite things I like to do is to take my boss to the DFAC to have lunch because you learn so much in the DFAC, um, especially here in a training environment. And, and we'll always go sit at a table with a bunch of airmen and, and kind of freak them out. And I let them know, hey, a two-star is about to join us. Don't freak out, you know. And so, uh, <laughs> and, and so this generation of airmen actually loves that. You know, they mm -hmm. want to talk to their leaders. They're, they're probably very different than when I came in. Um, and when I talk about generations and the airmen of today, I say that very broad and loose, you know, because it's a generalization. The airmen that are coming in the Air Force today, um, we have 39-year-olds who are joining the United States Air Force today. Right. We have airmen mm -hmm. who have um, a PhD, who have master's degrees, who have, a lot of them have some college and then decided to, you know, mm -hmm. go ahead and enlist and then finish their college. So, so the airmen that are coming in today's Air Force are very broad and, and, and we have this big window of folks that we let in. But in general, they are some of the brightest folks that we've you know ever experienced that you know they're way more technologically savvy they can figure things out way quicker than i could when i was 18 years old but mm -hmm. some of the other differences are they're not as um physically fit as we were probably when we came in again i'm saying this in general terms you know in general terms when i came in the military we all hung out played you know we were gone we mm -hmm. we you know we didn't come home till the lights came on you know the street lights came i mean we were out there where most of um the population today you know they're not as outdoorsy as we once were so again we you know we, we take the technologically savvy folks very bright very smart um they want to know the why and they have options and they don't got they don't have to join the united states military and you know, so they have options and talent management is important to them purpose is important to them when i came in you look at most of the folks who stayed in the military they stayed in for security um and and, and different reasons that may not be the same reasons why people stay in today so i think that it's important to understand there are differences appreciate those differences and learn how to best manage the talent in the military. You know, um, I think I read somewhere where there are four generations serving in today's military, four mm. different generations. And so we have to realize that, you know, what speaks to me may not speak to, you know, a millennial or a Gen Z um, 
or, you know, or some of the baby boomers, which I am not, by the way, you know, so, so we have to figure out what speaks to everybody, what do they value and how do we retain the best talent in the military? Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm, I think I wrote something on that somewhere. It might've been a paper or something, but um, that we, honestly, if you really look at it with an objective view, we have more commonalities across the generations than we have differences. I mean, if you just straight up looked at it and we can leverage those commonalities to build those connections, but then also leverage Mm -hmm. the the differences to be more innovative and and, and problem solve. And um, I think uh, oftentimes we just focus too much on the differences and why somebody's not understanding or, you know, instead of having that next level of conversation. So that's some, some great points. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. And, and I think that um, we can kind of leverage that also to figure out what our next challenges are, right? The, the change, the challenges are the differences that we have. And I'm in a past interview you did with, with us, like we, we kind of had a great interview with you on the Llama page. You mentioned one of our biggest challenges as an industry is moving at the speed of relevancy. Now, yeah. can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, what did you mean by that? What, uh, how that the biggest challenge as an industry is moving at the speed of relevancy? Yeah. So um, I think I was really speaking in context of, you know, within the Air Force and within Second Air Force, you know, we have got to be able to move and change, adapt, um, Mm-hmm. At, the, at the speed of relevancy, you know, if something mm-hmm. changes and, and, you know, you know, we just have to be able to move out and in the past, and, and there's certainly still communities that struggle with change that struggle with the um, transformation and adapting to the to the times we're in today. And mm-hmm. so if it's 2020, we have to move and change our draconian policies that keep us from being able to do what we need to do. And I don't care what that's in, you know, human resources, mm-hmm. HR, people operations, assignments and policies, um, PME policies, um, and the way that we train. If we train today in second air force, the way we trained when I came in in 1993, then we're probably wrong because it's mm-hmm. 2020 and we've got to figure out how to stay relevant. Um, in a world that's moving super fast. And we can't let policies and procedures keep us from being able to get after it. So the good news story in all this, since my last time I spent with you guys and I made that remark, let me tell you, AETC and Second Air Force for certain, we have been moving out at the speed of relevancy. We didn't ask for COVID. And if you would have asked us you know, three months ago if we would be experiencing anything like this across Across our force, we would have said, there's no way. Like, what is COVID, you know? And we would never imagine that we, it would have altered our life. And this is a defining moment for us. In that matter of, you know, you know, three months that we've been into this, in Second Air Force itself, I mean, goodness gracious, we have just created and finished yesterday, we graduated airmen out of a BMT here at Keyser Air Force Base. So we finished our proof of concept. Now, we didn't do that just because of COVID. We've been talking about being able to move at the speed of relevancy, and we need, you know, ways to be able to train our airmen and be agile um, enough to be able to do it. And so what COVID's done is kind of propelled us to do it. We've changed a ton of the way we train folks where there's more of what we're doing right now, virtual training, um, more blended training. Why do we have airmen just waiting for their security clearances and not doing anything? We forced our um, 
our cadre and our teams to put stuff on virtually where airmen can sit in their dorms on their devices or you know on any device and be able to start already getting after work where in the past we didn't um we have we have just cut through so many different policies and said why do we have to do that you know move our airmen out you know and let me tell you our brothers and sisters at afpc they have been moving out with us. They 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 see the need to move um, and and change some of their policies. But but here's the kicker: when when all this is said and done, we can't go back to the old ways. So if we if we figured out ways to cut through the policy because of COVID, the things that are better now and the things that are more effective, we can never go back. Yeah. So anyway, Absolutely. I love it. I, you know, I tell my boss all the time, we were talking about it last night, you know, we have, we, you know, in a organization that is kind of slow to react, we have not been that in the last uh, three months. And I'm so proud of the team here. Yeah. In, in so many ways, what we're experiencing has not just made us a little bit more innovative on how to solve these problems, but also, it's also kind of sped up things that we are already kind of in the works on doing, right? I mean, across yeah. the across yeah. the entire enterprise and across probably the whole planet. Like there was things that people thought, yeah, I could, I think that'd be kind of cool to do one day. And then you're like, well, now, yeah, we're we're gonna do it now. You know, we're yeah, kind no of excuses. To do so. Yeah, no <laughs> excuses now. <laughs> yeah, so that that's really cool that you guys are able to execute in that way. And I I think that um. That from on the side, you know, on the operational side, where we're receiving these folks, a lot of the things that you said to include even going back to the uh, part where, um, you know, we have 39 year old airmen coming in and st it's just amazing. Um, I have a 38 year old female firefighter and she's yep. running circles. I mean, she is just phenomenal. Right. <laughs> and um, and to, to, to your point about the fitness piece. Yeah. Thir uh, to be honest with you, a lot of 38 year olds are much in much better shape than some of the younger folks that we have right now coming yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause they've just kind of already done it. If you're 38 year old and you decide to join the air force, you're probably in pretty good shape or in yeah. military service at all. Right. So, mm -hmm. so that's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Um, so Hey, another part from that interview, um, you mentioned your favorite quote and it was success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Uh, and, you know, I related to that so much because I remember um, a couple of my last assignment, oftentimes, so like a little bit too often. Hey, when are we doing strat discussions? When are we doing this? When are we doing that? Right. Uh -huh. I remember when I was in Korea, when my boss told me that I did earn a strat, I was like, oh, you guys already had those discussions because I was like just yeah. <laughs> so busy Job out there. <laughs> Job in there, right? I didn't even know that those discussions were happening because I was out in the field with my airmen so often that, uh, that you know, I didn't even realize it. So that quote meant a lot to me. And I was wondering, what does it mean? Like, why, why does that become your favorite quote? So, you know, you know, every time I go out and have an opportunity to talk to leaders, I often share that quote because I think that inherently again if we just focus on the present if we focus on the here and now and that does not negate the fact that i think we should be good planners and you know trying to help you know push our push our propel our lives forward and, and control our destiny i'm not saying that what i'm saying mm -hmm. is don't get so focused on the future that you're not mm -hmm. handling your business today um mm -hmm. don't be so focused on what the next job is that you're not taking care of your business today and the things that you have responsibility over. Um, we have we have a lot of great teammates and they're great Americans around us who are so busy looking forward to the next two jobs 
that they miss opportunities today to take care of their airmen, to 100%. make their duty stations better. That's all you, I mean, man, like success in life is simple. You know, success in an organization, we should all strive to make our organization better when we left it. Mm -hmm. Our decorations and our EPRs say that we do, but then we all know that that's not the case. That's a whole nother podcast, Joe and Jose. We, we, we're going to need to have to do that one on truth. But, um, <laughs> we were literally just talking about that before this, about how yeah. the danger of somebody believing their EPR or believing their decoration. And you if you, yes, if you consolidated everybody's decoration and EPR, I mean, we've saved, you know, gajillions of dollars and, and cut every process. So we should be the most agile Air Force in the world. So anyway. Anyway, that's right. another uh, subject. But the point is, you know, don't be so, you know, worried about what's next. You know, it will just happen if you're if you're killing it and handling your business mm -hmm. and taking care of what you're in charge with at this level, success will come. And it's mm -hmm. been it's rang true in my career. I've never had to keep looking for jobs. You know, I've never had to ask for you know, sponsorship or anything. It just, it happened because, you know, I feel like, you know, I was able to handle my business at every level that I had. And sometimes I was wondering, man, why am I at this level? You know, how, how long am I going to have to deal with this situation? Sometimes I need to graduate from that situation and have learned something before mm. I can mm. move on. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Graduate from the situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm writing that yeah. one down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, that's cool. So, um, you know, another thing that I've discovered, just just seeing your uh, your social media and just talking to you, is that um, self care is is such a big part of your daily routine, right? And I've yeah. taken that as a very important thing for me too, because I think early on when you're uh, driven by achievement, and then you know, early on in our career, we we kind of neglect that. We kind of neglect mm -hmm. the, the taking care of ourselves. And I know that um, I've kind of paid for that through the years. And then I, and now I'm really making that deliberate effort. But what's, um, what's, the, the Elizabeth Gilbert said it the best. She said, she's doing something for herself, right? Like what is current self putting self through to, to for a future self to thank them for, right? So mm -hmm. what is, yeah. what is current Joe Bass doing that future Joe Bass will thank her for, you know, in, in that self-care realm? I, I love that. I wish somebody would have asked me that question as a tech sergeant, because it might it might have helped me earlier get to a healthy point in life where I actually do prioritize um, me. Because again, and I and I'm very vocal. I don't think I really prioritized me until probably about two and a half years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Even as a first time command chief at Goodfellow. I most certainly didn't prioritize me and, and, and nobody can really tell, but you can tell because, you know, mm -hmm. you know, that you can just tell, you know, inside you're not a hundred percent yet on the outside as leaders we have to be in. So that's, that is a hard backpack to carry when, when you're not really yourself, but the, the present Joe, I eat well, I do my best to, so, you know, I do my best to eat well. I don't eat a lot of garbage. Um, and, and I'm a foodie, you know, so I don't mm -hmm. not eat anything, but if I'm going to eat it, you know, I'm not going to eat something with a bunch of preservatives and, you know, some, mm -hmm. you know, pound cake from Walmart with a bunch of stuff in it, you know, I'm probably going to make <laughs> the pound cake with five ingredients, you know, so I'm very serious about, um, doing my best to try to make, uh, 
home cooking and I'm not judging people. So don't get upset if you buy the pounding <laughs> from Walmart. I'm just saying at this point in my life, I don't want to have a bunch of garbage in my body. I don't want to have preservatives. I tried to my best to eat whole foods. Um, I have a, a protein shake or, or a green smoothie, you know, once or twice a day. Um, I do my best to exercise. I love sleep. Um, and, and I sleep, you know, I try my best to sleep about seven or eight hours a night. And when I am TDY and as hard as that is on my body, you know, I, I don't even call a lot of people when I'm TDY. And I know that might make people, you know, a little bit upset because I was in town and I didn't call folks, but I actually like to go to my hotel room sometimes and just sleep, you know, it's my opportunity <laughs> to catch up. And so I eat well, I exercise, I sleep. Um, I've learned to say no to stuff, you know, and, and that used to be really hard on me. Um, I learned to appreciate being present so that I can actually have meaningful relationships, you know, with my family or my friends or, or my coworkers. Um, and, and I've just learned to just, you know, you know, not, not prolong things. So for instance, um, I, ju I just do it. If I have a feeling like, you know, Hey, let me invite somebody over, you know, I just do it because if you keep, you know, procrastinating or belaboring, you won't, you won't do it. So for instance, right before I got on the phone with you guys, I actually had, um, three, uh, wingmen over at the house, you know, three female chiefs and they came over and we did coffee. Um, nice. I almost awesome. canceled yesterday because I was like, man, I'm going to be so busy and I've got this going on, you know, so, and I've learned to just, you know, just do it. You'll, you'll be mm -hmm. glad that you did. Um, and then lastly, I would tell you, I've learned to have grace. So although I eat well, exercise and et cetera, and, and I get up at like, you know, four 30 or five to do all this, if I sleep till eight in the morning, I'm like, oh, I should have woke up. Oh, well, you know, and I just have grace about it. Um, and I'm okay with that. You know, we all, we all, you know, slip off sometimes, but I do my best to stay disciplined um, to, to start my day off well. So I think those things in 20 or 30 or 40 years, I will, and I, you know, I pray I live that long. Well, will all have helped me. Yeah. That's awesome. And you just hit like every single pillar of comprehensive airman fitness throughout that. Right. And I mean, like, right. And really. Right. And I mean, it's like that, that is exactly how you need to do it. You need to, you're, you got that social connection still, the mental fitness and you know, the sleep thing. Um, I know a while back mm -hmm. I shared with you that whole thing with Matthew Walker, cause he's been all over the place talking about yeah. sleep and yep. listening to him. It actually scared the crap out of me. Cause I was like, Whoa, he, he, the way he talked about, um, really when you're awake, you're actually, experiencing low levels of brain damage and then the only uh -huh. time it actually like heals is when you're sleeping so yeah. so if you're constantly awake you're actually just continuously getting that brain damage and if you're not getting enough sleep that just continues yeah. and you can get dementia and all kinds of yeah. stuff and like oh my goodness right <laughs> i mean if that's not something that's uh, like that that by itself is enough to get you make sure that you have a good uh, sleep hygiene i don't know what it is because I think what what I fear more than death is not being is just being completely debilitated and somebody has to take care of me for everything, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely uh, people ask me like, what time do you go to sleep? I'm like eight thirty nine. I try to lay down at least, you know. I might yeah. be reading a book, but I exactly. try to get to bed around that time, you know. But, you know, but that's you know awesome. what I want to talk about when I hear you talk about what time you go to sleep. But before I do that, here, let me just say one thing. Mm -hmm. So it's taken me, you know, 20 something years to get to that point. You know, it's taken mm -hmm. me 20 something years right. to understand 
that the cast pillars are like not just you know I, just great <laughs> ideas that it actually works mm -hmm. so again i don't want yes. people who uh, who are i don't want the tech surgeons and the captains mm -hmm. who are like hey that's not me i'll never get there yes you will it took me 20 something mm -hmm. years to really get that balance and what i've mm -hmm. learned is yeah. to be my best and to optimize who I am so that I'm so that I'm you know the second air force leader that I need to be I have to do those things but what I wanted to say is so a lot of us go to bed and kind of the last thing that we do in bed is we're on our phones right our devices mm -hmm. that screen time I'm starting to do some research now where I, you know even for me and my family we're like hey man we need to put the screens down like an hour before mm -hmm. time and we need to have a healthy screen life balance you know, right. mm -hmm. um, too many of our, our, our fellow Americans and people in general are spending so much time now. I love that my device tells me how much screen time I have. And, you know, I get a little mm -hmm. bit shamed myself when I'm on so long, you yeah. know, even mm -hmm. like if my husband sees me on it, I'm like, I'm doing work, you know, so because, <laughs> you know, it can get unhealthy if you're on. Mm -hmm. So if if the device is controlling you that's a bad thing if you're using the goodness of the device to um um you know for the good then then you're okay but too many devices i've seen it with people where they scroll and they're comparing themselves with their peers they're seeing all this garbage on Instagram, ig right. and mm -hmm. and twitter and everything it can start to control you don't let your device control you yeah and you know and also it's sometimes difficult to to make that shift because like you said okay if you're if you're letting it control you versus you know uh, you're actually utilizing it for good but then suddenly you start rationalizing what you're doing as you're utilizing it for good <laughs> and then yeah. you get that cycle where you're constantly on it right because i've heard people say yeah. well i'm doing work I'm like well why are you doing work right now on that yeah. at this time you know what i mean yeah. like what, what kind of work are you doing so yeah and that looks different for everybody right i mean yeah it looks different for everybody and um, another th cool thing that you just talked about was how it took you this long to get to this point. I'll, I'll, I know that um, I try to live that balanced life, like you're saying, um, but I suck at it. Like, I, <laughs> I still yeah. suck at it. You know what I mean? Like, all of us are trying to figure it out as we go, and we just continue to try to get better at it. But, yeah, for sure. You, you, you will, young Joe. You will. So, as you were talking about – oh, my bad. So, as you were talking about some of yeah. those things, right, it was very organic – um, with the calf pillars, you know, and, and I had that epiphany moment too, because that's how Joe and I actually met. He was a MRT and then, you know, we did it together. And, and I remember, you know, I was teaching and I believed in it, but about four years later, that's when I really believed in it, you know, because yeah. unfortunately some of those pillars just, they weren't there. And I, I felt my, myself going down that way. Um, but I, I did a deep dive on your social media and I was wondering if you could elaborate on something. So it looks like Keesler's doing something with zebra ropes. Like what, what is that concept? Because I've seen, yeah. it, it looks like a lot of goodness. Is that localized to that installation or is that across? So, so okay, my good fellow folks are gonna have to get me if I'm wrong, but the zebra ropes, I believe are at Goodfellow and that okay. is a coaching for success program. So here's a bunch of young airmen who are already mm -hmm. in the pipeline who said, hey, I want to help my peers succeed. And so they're peer coaches. Um, helping them academically or in, in, in other ways. And so that's what they're doing. And I love it because if you if you check out my feed and the video clip that Goodfellow did, mm -hmm. these airmen seem, again, mature beyond their years. 
their airmen who were like, hey, I've got to be here at tech training anyways. I might as well be a team player and help my folks succeed. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that when I went to tech training. You know, <laughs> I, I don't remember having that maturity and I don't remember um, being the best team player that I could. You know, we're, we're just there trying to pass and, and move on to our next place. And so I love that we have airmen in our formations that are getting after. So that's what they're doing. It's their um, airmen success program. That's awesome. That's it awesome. And cool. it's always good to have the, from the peer level, you know, because oftentimes as leaders, we, so, some of us, right. If we're immature, you kind of look at it as I have to fix everything. I have to be the one doing all these things. But the reality is, is you should be growing that next generation. So they yeah. do it inherently. And when you get that peer to peer, Oh, you can't beat it yeah. because I think there's a little yeah. more, I don't know if it's a little more belief in the system or what it is, but um, there's more street cred, I guess. Yeah, I agree. So here's what we owe as a system, and this might have to be another podcast too. What we owe in the system is if we're inherently growing our airmen and BMT and tech training to rely on each other, to be good team players, to, um, you know, to support each other, propel each other, but then some of our processes and policies in the operational air force, perhaps even with our EPR, don't lead mm-hmm. to that. We, we're going to have to fix it. And I don't know what the answer is, but I know that, you know, we have some smart people within our air force to help us get there. But, you know, mm-hmm. what, you know, folks tell me all the time, Oh chief, you know, the new EP, you know, the way our EPR system is now, it's like the hunger games, you know, and, and, and we have to fix that fundamentally because I don't want these airmen who are committed and excited to mm-hmm. join our ranks come from a Air Force family atmosphere and helping each other to a Hunger Games scenario. Anyway, future future talk, I'd love to hear what you guys end up, you know, saying about that, because I know y'all care about our Air Force. That's something we got to help get after. Yeah, and, and not to go too deep into that, but I know Jose and I were actually were just talking about that before we started this too, because we, we talked about, you know, how you you start believing in your own EPR that, you know, everything's on there is actually what you did. But the other piece of that was we were talking about awards packages and, you mm-hmm. know, and EPRs and all that. And, and, and you go on there and it's like, yeah, you, you might've done 30 cool things this year, but it didn't, it doesn't negate the fact that you showed up late to work all the time, you know, cause we're not going to write that on the <laughs> award package yeah. or, yeah. or yeah. you, you broke suspenses or you weren't a good teammate and all the character stuff that's on there. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and it's tough. Yeah. And that shouldn't be derogatory. So if we're mm-hmm. truthful about performance, mm-hmm. it shouldn't, right. you know, it shouldn't be derogatory. Now I've got to do all this additional paperwork. It should just be a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. For, for sure. And you should be able to identify on there, hey, this guy or this gal is willing to lay down a bunt for the team. Yeah. You know, and, and we should value that, right? We, yeah. As an institution, yes. that they're willing to hit a sacrifice fly instead of just swing for the home run, even though they got a record on the line, right? Yeah. I mean, they're willing to do those yeah. things. And, and that's yeah. where I think we're kind of missing the boat. But Yeah, we we're going to have to like have a part two. I'm about ready to go grab a root beer. <laughs> we're about to start yeah. solving some world problems. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, yeah so, so I, hey, hey, Jose, you, you wrote that down, right? We're going to have a part two for sure. She just committed, so. <laughs> got it. <laughs> so, that's awesome. But so this is what we do when we try to uh, wrap up our podcast. We do we close out with what Jose created as the leadership rapid fire. So <laughs> we're going to ask you a series of four questions, and then uh, oh, and, and just whatever whatever the answer is. All right, don't be scared. Just be excited. It's gonna be great. <laughs> okay. It is. It is. All right. No, the the number one. 
What is your favorite leadership trait? Hmm. Empathy. Empathy. Awesome. Sweet. Good. Number number two. We've already, typically we ask what your favorite quote is, but we already talked about that. So this is number two now. What would you want your family to say about you at your 80th birthday celebration? That's a good one. Hey, hey, Joe, you broke up a little bit. I couldn't hear that. Something about oh, my 80th okay. birthday. Yep. So uh, what would you want your family to say about you at your 80th birthday celebration? Man, I don't know if that's on my end. I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. Can you try to oh, repeat okay. one more time? Oh, no. Now you're yeah. good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So what would you want your family to say about you at your 80th birthday celebration? Hmm. She lived a long, good, and worthy life. She ran a good race. She enjoyed herself and she had fun. That's awesome. Cool. All right. Question number three. Uh, what is the number one book you'd recommend for an aspiring leader? Ooh, you know, I already told you I can't pick, I cannot pick a book. And, and here's why I can't, I'm not changing my stance. Um, I cannot pick one single book because everybody's different. So, you know, every book speaks to people differently based on where they are in their journey. Um, I have several books that I love, but again, what speaks to me where I am in my journey may not be something that speaks to somebody else. So here's what mm -hmm. I'm just going to tell you. Just pick up a book and read, you know, any, right. you know, anytime you have an opportunity to read 10 or 15 minutes a day, and you, again, that's part of that, just do it that, that I get after you just have mm -hmm. to do it. You know, you'll be a better person 15 minutes after you read. So it might be a devotion or it might be whatever and, and balance that out. So I always read something that develops me personally, develops my character, but I also do something that's fun. So I'll grab a cookbook cause I love to do mm -hmm. that and read that and, and get after cooking but then I'll do something that develops me. Um, and then I'll tell you that I'm reading right now. Um, stillness is the key. And yeah. what I love about that and where it speaks to me today in my journey and why I can barely put it down is because we're in a age of like information overload, like, mm -hmm. and, and man, reading that book has just been a revelation to me because, you know, even in the, the dozens and dozens of emails we get every day, some of the people who we interact with, um, we can just have so much information and it can really just kind of make you lose focus. So it's the stillness piece um, is, is reminding me to um, reflect, be still. I don't have to read every e email, so don't, you know, don't get offended. But, you know, I, I, I don't have to spend an hour listening to somebody, you know, I, we have choice. And so stillness is a good thing. Anyway, great book. Yeah, that is a great, but I know this is like we're in the middle of leadership rapid fire, but we <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to dig into that one for a minute. That book yeah. is amazing. And so is the entire series. I mean, uh, Ryan Holiday, the, the first book I read yeah. of his was The Obstacle is the Way. And I don't think I wrote in or highlighted more in one single book than that one. To, I'm for excited. me to go back on. Oh, that, yeah, just an amazing book. And I need, and, you know, to your point, I needed that book at that time in my life when I read it. I mean, it just, it really, um, uh -huh. it, it was, it was really cool that it popped up at the right time for me to kind of check it out. So I love it. That's in my queue, so. Joe. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and ego is the enemy is great too. But I mean, like, uh, I don't, obstacle is a way. I think I it's like I said, it's because when I, when I really needed it, it popped up and it really meant something to me. But, that's awesome. So, cool. So final question. How do you find your harmony between 
life, learning, and leadership. Mm. Um, Jose, why you got to be all deep? How do I fight? So <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of our it's kind of our motto. <laughs> yeah. So so it's trial and error. You know, you some days you're like killing it. You know, the harmony between balancing all of those things out, and mm. some days you know you you just don't. You know, you move on. Um, I think how do I find it? Grace. I've learned to just just be be okay with not always getting it right. And sometimes I fail and sometimes I fail horribly. And I've learned to ask my family for grace at times. I'm like, Hey, mommy makes mistakes too. I don't say that to my husband, but I tell my kids, I'm like, Hey, mommy makes mistakes too. I mommy needs grace in this. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great answer. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much, Joe. And really uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us and um, for sharing um, your wisdom and some of those awesome gems. I'm going to be listening to this a couple times to uh, to to just go back and explore some of the things we talked about. But um, I know I grew a lot from this conversation. I really do appreciate 100%. you. I love it. Hey, Jose, and I appreciate you taking the time. You know, your your family's out there probably waiting on you to hurry up and get in. But I appreciate you taking the time um, to spend some time with us. I had my coffee here. Um, so thanks for this and for um, you, Joe and Jose and the rest of your llama team. Thanks for what you're doing. So you guys don't have to do this. You know, the, you could be doing anything you want to do in life, but you're trying to impact one person at a time. And so kudos to you guys for doing this. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, to all our listeners, um, as always, you know, stay safe, uh, be healthy, and um, llamas are out. Thank you, Joe Bass. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. We'd love for you to connect with us at www.llama-leadership.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash llama leadership and also on Instagram at llama leaders. And a big thanks to Mike Whitmer for the music. To check out more of this stuff, go to soundcloud.com slash Mike Whitmer. Thanks again. See you on the next episode.